0: This is Mainspring Family Wellness, where transformation takes root. This podcast is for parents pursuing
1: both personal growth and family wellness. We will cover relevant topics that help us
0: reflect, make educated choices, and parent effectively. My name is Kristen Perlmutter. I'm an educator, a philanthropist, and a mother of three who is passionate about personal growth and seeing families at their optimal wellness. And I'm
1: Dr. Jenna Flowers a marriage and family therapist, author of The Conscious Parent's Guide to Co-Parenting, speaker, and mother of three. Okay, well, welcome to Mainspring Family Wellness. Uh, It's so good to be back here in the studio, by the way, at Gold Pacific Studios. (laughs) And um, we are just so excited and feel so privileged to be able to be here today to discuss uh, racism with Our children and how do we help to educate our children and so we have asked um, our lovely guests Lakinya Hall and Teresa Anderson who are both women of color uh, to share their stories of raising their families here in Orange County and for us to also really highlight what it is it like to be black or Latina in uh, Orange County and, and raise our children so thank you so much both of you for being here today.
2: Thank you for having us.
1: So, uh, Lakinya, why don't you start first? Share a little bit with our audience about yourself and where you're from.
2: Um, so, once again, my name is Lakinya Hall. I've been married for 24 years. I have five children. They range in age from 10 to 22. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles, and I, um, once I got married, um, we moved here to Orange County and um, in Irvine for the last 22 years. Okay, great. And Teresa. Um, so, again, my name is Teresa Anderson. Um, I'm a
3: mother of three kids. Uh, one is uh, just graduated from college, and I have two um, currently in college. Um, I grew up uh, 30 minutes north of L.A., uh, in the San Fernando Valley, a city called Pacoima. All right. So uh,
1: why don't you guys share a little more about um, what it was like for you both to to grow up in Pacoima and Los Angeles?
3: So— Pacoimo. When my family moved there, I was six years old. It was a predominantly black community. We were the second Hispanic family on the entire block. Oh wow! And all I can say is that I have, I only have fond and wonderful memories of this community. Um, the neighbors were friendly. My family, being Hispanic, we have all range of colors. Um, so I have relatives that are Mexican, but they're white and blue eyes. I have white and blue I'm the white skin and I'm blue eyes. I have relatives with afros and green eyes, and then there's people that look like me, <laughs> <laughs> brown hair, brown eyes. Uh, but we from our neighbors never felt any discrimination. Um, like I said, they were always welcoming and kind and friendly. And in school, the culture was amazing. Lots of talent, athletically, um, gifted in. Like, I feel like all my friends could sing. Um, they're always funny, silly. If there was any issues, my good friends, without me asking them, would be like, you know, who's who's bothering you? I'll step in. I wouldn't even have to ask them to protect me. Um, so, yeah, I just have uh, wonderful memories. I cannot say anything negative about um experiences um, growing up in a black community.
2: And so my experience was very similar to Teresa's, except my community was mostly black um, as far as the children. So the children that we played with were mostly African-Americans. Mm-hmm. And it was just a lot of fun, um, a lot of fun just going out on the street, um, you know, playing the various games like, you know, hide and go seek, riding our bikes, going to the park, playing basketball. It was it just happened to be a lot of fun and peaceful. And I felt like, you know, every there was such community and, you know, looking out for one another and encouraging each other, um, whether it was academically or, you know, um, or even I remember I had this neighbor and I at one point I started getting bus to school. At first I was like in elementary. I was going through my neighborhood schools. And then when I hit junior high, I started getting bus to school. And so um, being bus, in the, bus to school, which is going to a school outside of your community, sometimes you have to get up early to go stand at that location so that they could take you to whatever school you were going to. And so I had a lot of neighbors that went out to the Valley and then, but I went to like Torrance area, whatever. Mm -hmm. And my neighbor, you know, would always on the way home, I would have to cross, you know, pass by his house. And he would always say stuff like, you know, LaKenya, keep working hard, you know, keep up the good work, you know, um, always do your best. And it was just, you know, I felt like he was just an extended part of my family because of the words of encouragement that the community would um, convey to one another, it was was quite beautiful.
0: I love hearing that. (laughs) (laughs) So now that you both live in Orange County, I'm not sure when you moved here from L.A. and from the San Fernando Valley, but did you feel the same warmth and
2: welcoming from the community? I personally did not when I first came here about 22 years ago. I remember just when I first came, um, so I had an infant, and I would— I was still working full time and after work, I would go to the park and I would just like, you know, try to meet some of the neighbors that were also at the park with their children. And I just felt like it was very cold. Um, Mm. And and so it made it very uncomfortable. And, you know, um, because of my background or my faith. And knowing that, you know what, extend the olive branch to love all people, period. You know, I just persevered and kept trying and kept trying. But, you know, it took a while for, you know, unfortunately for people to to be comfortable with me, Hmm. you know. And um, for myself, just, you know, like I said, I got bused to school. So that was my first exposure to people who did not look like me. So, you know, I went to school with Asian, white. Um, Hispanics or Latinas, Muslims. and so um, so I felt very comfortable around people. Mm-hmm. and so um, to move here and have that experience when I first moved here 22 years ago, I definitely wanted to leave Orange County. I was like this this is like a whole nother country. and Orange County is just the next community or um, from Los Angeles right <laughs> you know? Kenya do you do
1: you have a couple of stories that you can share? Um, about your experience, like what, what, what
2: you've encountered? Well, early on when I, I moved here, um, I remember shopping. I, I went to a grocery store, and I was at the deli counter. And so there's a lady behind the counter, and she's slicing her meat. And so she looks up at me, and then she keeps slicing her meat. So I thought, okay, well... She's probably going to help me when she's done. You know, not a big deal. And then there's another lady in, um, with her grocery cart, and she kind of walks by me, looks at the, the, meat, the meat counter, and then she goes down the aisle like that. And so I'm still waiting, and now that lady comes back down from the other aisle, and she comes, and she stands probably within three to five feet from me. The lady who is slicing her meat looks up, stops slicing her meat, comes to the counter across from where the other lady is, and she goes, oh, hi there. How can I help you? Mm. And I'm standing right there the whole time, (laughs) totally not acknowledged, totally ignored. She didn't stop for me. And I was like, oh, that's weird. (laughs) And so then the lady um, that had her cart was like, oh, well, this young lady has been standing here since I first came by. I've been waiting for you to serve her first. And so um, why don't you go ahead and serve her like that? And so then the lady turns, walks towards me on the opposite side of the counter, and she goes, what do you want? I was so shocked. I had wow. no idea. I was so shocked. I mean, and so this is within the first year of me moving here, you know. Wow. So, um, And I just, you know, went ahead and said, oh, can I have this and can I have that? And then I just said, thank you, and I was polite. And then um, as she was wrapping my meat, the other lady goes, sweetheart, I am so sorry that she did that to you you have a good day and I said okay thank you so it was nice that mm. she acknowledged what was right. going mm-hmm. on and I would have never pegged it for what I believe what it really was mm-hmm. um not until she did that Yes, yeah, right <laughs> and I was like oh you know so that's that's just one of my experiences mm-hmm. yeah. so you didn't have experiences like that as much in LA it's more when you came I've never had an experience like that in LA I didn't have a, a when I was working, when I first graduated college as an engineer, um, I had an experience where um, there was an accident and um, I was an inspector on the site as a civil engineer. Um, and I was working for, you know, um, Department of Transportation. And so anyway, so I was, you know, the first one on the scene and I had been talking to the different people involved in the accident, blah, blah, blah. Then my supervisor came along and I was telling my supervisor, you know, what happened. And then, you know... Unfortunately, well, fortunately an officer came to do a report, and so um, the officer wanted information about what happened, and so I proceeded to tell the officer what happened, and the officer looked at me and pretty much said, I do not want to hear anything from you like that. And he turns to my supervisor and said, sir, can you tell me what happened? Oh, and wow. then um, my supervisor was like, okay, but I'm only going to tell you based on what the young lady who was here told me. But he didn't want to hear from me. And so um, so I've had things happen in L.A. It was, yeah, I, I've had things that happened in L.A. too. Yeah.
1: I'll what, leave it at that. Okay. What were you feeling, though, when, when the officer treated you that way?
2: Um, you just feel, like, dehumanized. You feel yeah. like you're not respected, um, that you have no value, you know, unfortunately. That's how it makes you feel, you know. And I just thought, wow, why was he so rude to me, you know? Mm. I'm serving the public just like he was. Um, I have my... My title on me with my hard hat, my orange vest, and everything. Right. Um, it's a site that I've been working for, you know, over a year. So if that's a site that he patrols, then he's probably seen me mm. or whatever. And so I just felt really bad, and I just thought, wow. But you know, that wouldn't be the first incident. I just know that growing up in Los Angeles and some of the things that my brothers and sisters, because I'm um, I'm one of twelve children, fourteen oh. children. I'm one of 14 children and I'm one of the babies. Wow. How did you go from 12 to 14? (laughs) How did you forget the two? Because I'm number 12 of the 14. That's why I'm number 12 of the fourteen. So I have two younger siblings. And I just remember some of the things that they went through um, as I was growing up as a child. And so it's like, you know, when these things are happening to you, that um, when people aren't really respecting you or um, you don't have a voice or no one listens to your side of the story or, you know, etc you know it becomes your norm you're like Mm. okay well okay he just did that not a big deal because I've already had experienced so much other stuff it's Mm -hmm. like so it's like it becomes part of your norm you know and you're like you, you don't it's at least for me it's like um I was I was sad and I was hurt but I moved on because so much stuff happens all the time you just you know you just keep moving on and it's your normal if that just like let's talk about COVID-19 right now like COVID-19 us wearing masks into stores and stuff that's our norm now right and so we really just don't think about it we just make sure we have it when we go into a store Mm -hmm. you know and so it's like that's what we do you know and so um when those things happen it's your norm well I'm curious a question for both of you
0: how did your parents talk to you about racism when you were growing up or, or did they? Did they ever talk to you about how to handle certain situations that might arise? My parents never discussed race.
3: Uh, my mother never—she um, is dark. My mom's a dark Hispanic, but she has, again, siblings that could pass for white. But race was never an issue. Um, my friends would come over and play, and it was like, no, you can't. It was never like you can't play with them because they're dark or anything. Um Uh, When I was, the first time I was allowed to spend the night, I was 12 years old, and it was um, my friend that lived up like 10 homes up the block. And uh, she just wanted to know, like, what were their rules, because it was my, um, my friend had three older brothers. So um, my mom met with the mom, and I was there to translate, because my mother doesn't speak English, and... That was it. It was just again. It was never an issue in my household. Now, did I hear racism in the community where the, I had other friends that the, um, that were Hispanic and um, their black uh, friends, especially guys, uh, could not step in their yard. Um, so mm-hmm. this, even in the Hispanic community, yes, racism is everywhere. From black people, I've heard comments like uh, such as. Um, Oh, we don't need another Hispanic in the family, or something like that. Um, but um, I'm pretty confident in who I am, and I'm will be quick to correct comments like that. I don't think we'll ever get rid of racism, but I think that like with the issue like with uh, George Floyd and all the um, other individuals that have lost their lives unjustly, is that we have a system that. Um doesn't treat people equally. And I think that is ultimately like the most important thing that we need to address, um, because um, racism and discrimination uh, those acts um, are are more subtle, mm-hmm. but it's the hate um, mm-hmm. that that's an issue. you and, and and racism goes away too. I think, with education and having friends, and that when you start to, break down those, just change the thought process.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that one of the ways that we can change the thought process is that I think we have to um, intrinsically look at ourselves and our heart and, <laughs> you know, because it's a heart issue. Um, so we were talking about, oh, did your mom discuss racism right. or your your parents or whatever? Well, when I was in elementary, no, my mom didn't. I mean, I went to neighborhood schools, right? Mm-hmm. And so all the kids I was going to school with were African American. Um, the teachers were not, but the the kids were. Um, so but as I went to junior high and high school, um, yes, the topic did come up because of other issues and other things would come up. And so so then I would say, yes, you know, once I started going to middle school and getting bus to school, you know, um, I remember having an incident with. Um, these kids, or whatever. Um, and, and basically, you know, they, you know, but part of it's kids being kids too. Kids are just mean, you know, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And so it's like, you know, sometimes you have to have discernment like, are they just being kids and just being mean, or are they actually doing something else? And so with that being said, um, we've had to have conversations um, after I started getting bused to school that, yes, there are going to be people that don't like you just based on looking at you. They're going to have an opinion about you. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, you're being bused to school and you're going to have to work twice as hard, be twice as smart, you know, and you're not always going to get credit for things. And, and, you know, people aren't going to always include you and invite you to things. And, you know, and, and that was the case. You know? So has this uh,
1: these similar things that you've learned from from your parents, and it sounds like as you got older too, you were more aware too of racial inequality. How has that translated into your parenting? What kind of conversations have you had with your kids about this?
3: Well, I've always been aware aware of racial inequality. Yes. I, I think the first time I, I was fourth grade, I should say, uh, in history um, or during history uh, lectures. Um, segregation. It was the first time I was exposed to what I saw images of police brutality. Um, and I was like, I remember being in fourth grade and being dumbfounded, like, whoa, like people are throwing dogs at people, at, at black people simply because they're black. Like it didn't make sense to me. Um, but
1: now raising your kids in Orange County, have you had these kind of conversations about race and what it's like for your kids to be
2: Biracial, to yes. Be seen I've as had black. these. You... I've had these conversations with my children, like especially like my son, who's like who's twenty. Um, mm-hmm. So before he started to you know drive, you know, um, this is very normal as a black mom and dad to to tell their child that if you ever get pulled over to put your hands on the dashboard, that is normal. Yeah. Now, I know that that is not normal for the rest of society. You know, but. You know, if my son gets pulled over, he's already unfortunately um, thought of as, you know, someone who is not trustworthy, mm-hmm. you know, or, or suspicious, you know, just because he's driving a car. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, it's just like, you know, in a certain neighborhood. And so, so, yes, we've had to have those kind of conversations. Now, with that being said, we've been blessed that he's never been pulled over in Irvine, um, for driving. And, um, but with that being said, I've been followed home a few times. Tell <laughs> I, us a story. What happened? Obviously I didn't live there, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you have been living in Irvine. <laughs> no, it's just that there's just been a few times where like, you know, maybe I'm, I'm coming from wherever I was coming from and I would be coming down a certain street and I would be followed. And I'm thinking, hmm. I'm obeying the speed limit and everything. So, you know, if I'm going to be pulled over, this is making me super nervous and uncomfortable just pull me over and, you know, let's get this mm-hmm. taken care of so you can stop following me. But um, but basically, I would be followed and I would make the turn into my community, which is a gated community. If you've ever been to, like, where I live, you can see that there's a lot of little streets you have to, like, turn and, you know, turn on to get to my house. And basically, when I got to that last corner to where my house is— that's when the officer would make a U-turn and then leave. But I'm thinking, well, you have my driver's light, um, plate. Plate, yeah. yeah. So obviously it's registered with my name and address. Why would you follow me this far? This is weird. And so that happened to me on a few occasions, and I was very, very uncomfortable. But I feel like as a African-American mom or dad, we constantly have to tell ourselves or, or tell our children um, you know, be sure to put your hands on the dashboard. Be sure, don't talk back. Be respectful, because anything could go a wire or whatever mm. um, with them speaking and trying to stand up for themselves if they've done nothing wrong. I, I feel like it's better to deal with it later. Just <laughs> get yourself <laughs> somewhere mm-hmm. safe, and then, you know, we can deal with it later by calling or something like that. Yeah. How about for you, Teresa, with your kids? Um Well, I've had a couple
3: incidents I can think of. Um, One, um, more recently, uh, my son got a new car, and so he didn't have a license plate on it. And then my daughter was driving the car. They were both in the car, and they were followed by police officers into a grocery store um, parking lot, or the parking lot where the grocery store was at. And um, the police officer got off and approached them, and the first thing out of his mouth uh, was, is this your car? Which threw my daughter off um, because what else would she be driving other than her car or, you know. Uh, to me, that was um, obviously racial profiling. Um, there two black kids uh, driving a brand new its a Mercedes, but entry level. It was used car. Um, but we're in Newport Beach and you don't see too many black kids um, in Newport Beach. Uh, so that's one instant, and so we live in Newport. Another instant uh, instance is my son wanted to go to a party in high school, and her uh, friends lived in Newport. Uh, my son and our three kids went to Orange Lutheran. So that um, by chance, I don't know how they had this friend in Newport, um, but uh, so our son uh, got there a little early and the friends were coming and he just wanted to wait outside um, for the friends before he went into the party Mm -hmm. he goes oh just leave me here i'll you know be fine and my husband and i were like no we can't leave you here um because somebody could call the cops on you you're a black kid and what are you doing just standing outside in front of this neighborhood they think you don't belong here and my son in his a naive uh mind says what do you mean i look like i belong here i'm like how many kids do you know that look like you live in this neighborhood And so those are the sad things that you have to share with your kids. Let them know that they're not the same. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't try to do it
2: intentionally, but it's to protect them. As far as inequality with the kids, too, I remember that my children were outside playing with some other neighbors or whatever, and someone had a dog, and the person had treats. And all the kids were excited. It was a very friendly, nice dog. And so the person with the dog gave all the kids a treat to give to the dog, except my children. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I stood there, and my kids came came to me, and they're like, Mom, why doesn't he give us a treat? I mean, mm. I felt so bad, you yeah. know? Because, I mean, they were like 5, 7, and like 10, or something like that. And at that point, I hadn't really discussed anything with them. And so, um, and I was like, ah, because so, there's like, you know, depending on the age... What's age appropriate mm-hmm. to talk about certain things? And right. it doesn't matter if it's, you know, racism or, you know, other things that we should be talking about with our children. But mm-hmm. there's age appropriate things to convey information. I hadn't really had a talk <laughs> um, with them like that. And so but um, I was like, you guys just don't even worry about it. Let's just go inside now because I just they were so sad. So I said, let's just go inside now. And um and then I like, you know, distracted the other two to do something else. And then I had to talk with the 10 year old because she was like, Mom, that, that's just, you know, she it really bothered her. So sure. then, you know, I had that conversation with her that, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that, you know, you guys were treated the way you were. And sometimes people just don't like you or don't want any much to do with you based on what you look like, like that. And I didn't want to get into the whole racism thing. Um, too deep at that age. Mm -hmm. So I kind of left it at that. And as she got older, you know, then we can go deeper, you Mm -hmm. know. So I feel like, you know, you don't have to um, explicitly, you know, have these lessons with your children, but I feel like you can indirectly teach them things by when you're having community with people who don't look like you. You're sharing cultural differences or acceptance or respect from one another when you're having community things or having other friends that are different from you at your home and, and stuff yeah. like that, if that makes sense.
1: I think, though, yes. what we're kind of bringing up, it makes me wonder, how do we build self-esteem, like feeling good about our identities when you know that you're also being judged for the color of your skin? And, well, and I... you are trying to tell your son, like, this is actually a protective measure for you. Like, I don't, I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. you know, to me there, there feels like some conflict. Like, how do we, how do we walk that tightrope with our kids? And I know for myself personally, I grew up in a very small town in the Midwest. I experienced a lot of racism uh, growing up. My mom was probably the first Chinese Hawaiian to ever walk into that county. And I mean, there were occasions where she wasn't even, she couldn't buy groceries at the store. They wouldn't allow her to because of the color of her skin. And I was... Called um, a lot of terrible words, you know, and names, including the N word. I mean, it oh, was wow. a very mm-hmm. different uh, upbringing, and so this conversation is also very deep for me because I know what it's like to be a child that's mm-hmm. experienced that, mm-hmm. and yet now in my adult years, and living in California, it's so vastly different for myself, you know, and and that experience, and I never wanted to see my children go through anything like that. And one of the vehicles for myself was education. Mm-hmm. I knew like, in, you know, if I was going to further myself in life and make myself feel better about who I was, because I did feel the weight of um, feeling different and excluded, and it felt awful as mm-hmm. a child. So education always felt like that way to balance it out for myself. hmm Can you guys speak or relate to that in any way? What I'm sharing, or
3: I think again, though, because uh, in regards to my like upbringing, because uh, though I did experience some racism, it was minor because um, by and large the black community was um, welcoming, Mm -hmm. and so I didn't ever feel like different. I mean, I am married to a black man, which who I married. I mean, who I met, um, in my childhood, there was issues like, oh, you're trying to be black or, you know, things like that. I guess they were the minority and I just pushed that out. Um, and I, in my own, I think I just am wired. Like I'm, I know who I am. I'm like not going to let anyone make me think otherwise. And I didn't have a large majority of people telling me I was less than like you do. Mm -hmm. So I think that, um, um. This play a factor. I one area where um, I did live actually, we were supposed to be bused like Kenya because during our time it was there was a lot of integration, and so like a square mile of my community, which I happened to live in, was bused into um, a more a white neighborhood, and I did go for like ten weeks, um, but I asked my mom to um, have me taken out of school and be put in the local high school. And the reason for that wasn't that I felt the racism, it was more like the socioeconomic was a difference. And then I didn't want to have to deal with that too. I knew I wanted, I already wanted to be a cheerleader. Um, I saw the cheerleaders they are driving convertible cars and I'm having to push my mom's car half the time when it would, you know, stall at lights. I literally would get out of the car and push the car. Yeah. So I didn't want to have anyone feel sorry for me. And so I wanted to continue to be comfortable in my own skin, um, and in my own environment. And so I, um, asked my mom, to check me out, and and so I don't have quite those experiences. Interestingly enough, but when um, my husband asked me to marry him, we were twenty years old. Um, I did hear outside of my family, Hispanics would say, "Oh," and, and people that didn't know him would say, "Oh, you know, his name is Garrett." And he said, um, "They would ask, like, what's his name?" And I said, "You know, Garrett Anderson." Oh, oh, is he white? I already knew, you know, what what was going to follow up if I said he was black, but I said, um, no, you know, he's actually black. Oh, ignorant statements such as, oh, don't you know that they steal? Things like that. Or, you know, it's um, this other person had good intentions, I thought, um, said, you know, if you marry, the studies show that if you marry someone from your own ethnic background that, you know, it's more likely that you'll have a successful marriage. And I pondered over that and I thought... Yeah, but no one in my household, because um, the culture in my household, like my dad's age and the men that I saw were very macho, and I didn't want that. Um, so I'm like, I have more in common with Garrett than I do with the, people, the men that come at my household. So like I said, I just thank God that the way he wired me and my thought process, um, process, how I process that. Um,
1: yeah, I think though what you brought up about just really knowing yourself though, that's part of the key, right? For for our kids that they feel good about themselves. By
2: if you really know yourself, then you can see through ignorance, right? Right. Yeah. But I also think that as parents, we have to like tell our children that they're beautiful, yes. that they are of value, that they are worth, and that if they experience anything that's contrary to what they believe, um, or what you've taught them, then to to dismiss those notions Mm -hmm. you know and so yes we need to have confidence in who we are but I think that confidence as a child is going to be taught to them just like everything else is taught to children Mm -hmm. racism is taught to children Mm -hmm. children are innocent when they're in elementary school and I work in an elementary school everybody's playing with everybody, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's fine. You start to see it as they get older. Now, why is that? You know, those are some of the questions we have. to Why is it now that you used to play with, you know, um, Tamika or whoever that, you know, you don't want anything to do with Tamika today. You know, why, why is that? Why do you have those feelings, you know, and, and that kind of stuff, whatever. But I feel like, you know, our children, if we're not teaching them, um, self-respect, self-esteem, that they are beautiful with their dark brown skin, their curly hair, or whatever it is, then they are going to believe the lies that the, the media or whoever portrays to them on the television, you know? Yeah, that's actually why MainSpring, we're going to have a cultural
1: diversity class this summer for, for tweens, for the tween years. Yeah, Because that's kind of when people start to come up with judgments about other people and so we really want to bridge that education piece with our kids
2: which is very interesting because that's when it happens they become these tweens and all of a sudden you know they have these cultural biases and stuff and these stereotypes and these implicit you know thinking about other people and so my thing is okay so where is that coming from Mm -hmm. you know because it's not coming from the elementary schools Mm -hmm. you know they're picking it up somewhere else you think, uh, okay. I would disagree,
3: only because uh, Brienne, my oldest in kindergarten, she was the only black kid um, in the classroom, and my kids went to school pretty much all from kindergarten, preschool all the way to eighth grade, where they were, if not the only one, there was only two black kids in the whole, I mean... Whole school. Yeah, my kids were the black kids in the school. It mm-hmm. went to a small Christian school. Um, but... Um, uh, in kindergarten, my, uh, my oldest came home and she uh, sat, and she's, and I said, what's wrong? And she goes, well, this um, kid said he didn't want sit, to sit with me because I'm black. Mm. Um, and mm. so we had to go to the school and, you know, talk about uh, racism. Fortunately, it's a Christian school, so it was addressed right away. I don't know that the parents um, taught this at home. I'd like to think that they didn't. I think perhaps in this case, the boy was just observing somebody different. He hadn't been around enough different, and so he was pointing out that different, and he uh, internalized it as, you know, this isn't good, um, and he had to be educated and informed that otherwise. Right, and so, so when I
2: when I say that this stuff is taught at home, I'm not saying that they're actually sitting down and saying, oh, don't associate with, you know, those people, those people, those people. I'm saying is is it like once again I'm going to use the word like implicit type of thing when you mm-hmm. don't have any friends that are different than the way that you look, when when you are somewhere and you know you're staying ten feet you know away instead of being normal and standing t- two feet away for someone in line for something, mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff. Kids are learning. Based on what they're seeing, yeah, it's kind of nuanced, right? It's yes. like mm-hmm. it's like
1: if you grow up in a family where you've got you know a parent that always goes, "Oh, that girl's just so fat," or blah blah. You know, then mm-hmm. people start to develop hang-ups over weight and body image and right. how one what's
2: acceptable to to look like in a family. But I feel right. like it happens whether it's verbal or nonverbal, right? People yeah, right, right, right. And so yeah. when I say kids are taught this stuff, I don't. I I would hope that people aren't at home teaching their kids how to be racist, but they are not showing any. They're not showing that people are people, and we should love all people based on their circles or how they interact with other people. Kids will pick up on that kind of stuff. Well,
3: and I then in that point from that perspective, I agree. Um, but I I think that it we don't need to wait till middle schools to start
0: talking about uh, racism.
2: No, we shouldn't. Yeah, no, that it needs no, to shouldn't. be taught. Early. No, in
0: fact, we we actually are going to have a class for younger kids as well, and we also. Um, have reached out to some local librarians and teachers to get any resources or books that they recommend. And my librarian for my kids' school sent a really great comprehensive list, and there was even board books for babies. So it sounds like these conversations maybe need to happen from the get-go, you know, in an age-appropriate way. And um, I think that's that's something that we can all do better, whether it's parents or the school, we could all do better Mm -hmm. about uh, talking about it. You know, I don't think I never I never really had a lot of deep conversations with my kids until recently because of current events. And, you know, you learn about history, but we need to talk about what's happening right now and what needs to happen next. I disagree
2: about like when it comes to history, because like I think the average history book that's out there is not really touching up on. The people of color in um, the history of the United States. It's like giving a whole picture of our history. And that's part of the, a huge part of our
3: issue because we have people that feel more entitled to this land because when you read history books, it's like they're the only ones that built this country. They're the only ones that did everything. And nobody else has, even though African Americans were here, brought here to help right. build the wealth of this country, right? there's none of that. There's only, mm. we had a little, you know, a little slavery and that's it. And so you, they can't even feel proud of what they've done here in America. And other, other people can't recognize all the contributions that black people have done right, because right. we don't or talk even, about it. Or even There's a false of, narrative we're
2: Or even the people of color. I mean, I think back to, like, the past couple of years, you know, just with my kids and talking to them about, you know, you think Black History Month. So what are you guys doing at your school for Black History Month? It doesn't matter if they were in junior high, elementary, high school. There's nothing. I was like— Take that opportunity, share. This is Black History Month. Why are we teaching anything in school regarding, you know, Black history? We have a month called Black History Month. What, you know, and that bothers me.
3: I think, why are we calling it Black history? Why are we calling it Afri- African American history? It's American
2: history. Mm. It is American that history. That is an that issue is for me.
3: It's like, that's true too. And, you know,
2: We need to acknowledge that it is American history. But my thing is, I think they came up with that term hoping that they would actually kind of focus on something during that month. But it is Black people brought that together because they wanted to share
3: their knowledge of their history to their community. It is how, um, because uh, the large majority was not sharing their history so it's an educate a way of educating the community about the contributions that that community has it's also what contributed schools have adopted
2: schools have adopted it and also called oh, it, it black. school right mm-hmm. i'm talking mm-hmm. about a school mm-hmm. they have adopted it and you know they say black history month but still the education the history is not being presented at all well you
1: guys, what do you think though, for right now with the in current culture, like society is clearly a very it's a very emotionally heightened place right now uh, around you know this topic. and in your opinions, you know, how should people that are not black approach the current social climate without presenting like they're making it about their own feelings about racism? Do you guys have any thoughts
0: on that?
3: I really think it just has to be more organically again, and really, and this is an opportunity to Look internally and, mm-hmm. and um, what do I think about these issues and how can, you know, we're talking about what could I do in my home and how could I um, be more cognizant of how I um, include more people or even uh, have friends over that, uh, like I know, have friends over that are different backgrounds so that it becomes, it becomes a non-issue. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to talk about these issues. I know in my household, I have friends of all backgrounds, and we have gatherings um, for dinner, and um, the Sawatas are Japanese and Chinese. The Yus are Korean. La Kenya is black, and and her husband is white. My friend, the Slaters, are um, a black couple. The Daniels and the Brimskys are white. And we come and just support each other. If somebody's having a gathering, we go help each other. It is, And so when we talk about Um, how do we teach our children? Those are ways you teach them without having to tell them. Like, we're all human beings here. Exactly, which
2: is something I feel like we touched up on earlier. You know, you make an organic, you just, you know, you you model. You have the friends, you have the people who are over from the various backgrounds. My other thing is, you know, um, sometimes, you know, I think that when things are going on in society, let's put ourselves in the other person's shoes. Mm-hmm. Let's get educated. Let's watch those movies like Thirteenth or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. all those things that are out there. Let's go ahead and, and, and read books. Um, something like, you know, um this one there's one book called A Different Mirror and that particular book deals with the minority perspectives on cultural America. Uh, multicultural America You know So it talks about The Native Americans The African Americans The, the, the pre and post um, Slavery time And etc And then it also Starts to talk about You know Other cultures Like the Irish And Hispanics Chicanos Chinese Japanese um, Jewish people um, From then To the current Situation right now Now with that, This particular book Was written in 1993 But I think You know We can get these books Like A Different Mirror um, I Am Enough Or Whoever You Are our, um By Means Fox, you know, and these books would help us to understand um, what do different, you know, people look different. Um, but in the end, we're all alike, and it's okay, you mm-hmm. know, so educate ourselves, make it organic, invite a friend, you know what, there's probably someone at work and just tell yourself, you know what, I'm going to be intentional about this relationship. I, wanted, I want to get to know that person. And I think if you're intentional in getting to know someone who's different from you, you know, when you see other people, it won't look so scary.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, mm-hmm. that it'll be a different narrative. You know, you'll be more accepting and understanding. So with the current climate of what we have going on right now and people are saying, oh, black lives matter, all lives matter, we're all multiple races but we're one human race black lives matter it's under the subset of all lives matter mm-hmm. and so it's not that black lives want everyone to just focus on now we're <laughs> all under the umbrella of all lives matter but I'm sure that we've all heard that scenario of the house is burning down and you know they call the fire department and the fire mm-hmm. department comes and it's like well all houses matter of course we all know this and of course all houses matter but my house is the one that's burning down so can we like
3: Address it. Address Mm -hmm.
2: that particular home so that I can have a house to go to. (laughs) Of course, all houses matter. Of course, all children matter if something's going on at school, you know, and something's happening with your child and your child is getting bullied or whatever Mm -hmm. and you as a parent want to talk to the principal and the principal says, well, all children's lives matter. You're like, Yes, but my ch- child's getting beat up every day. <laughs> you know, you just like, can we? <laughs> of course, we want to address all the issues, but let's address the problem that's happening right now, you know? Yeah,
1: I think that's probably a good place for us to end for, for today and what, what we've talked about. We've talked about so it's much. Great and, conversation. Um, I just want to thank you both for leaning into this conversation with us for Mm -hmm. for educating Kristen and I for being a part of this uh, because we really hope that this reaches uh, a vast audience um, for parents and and it's a real good adjunct support to the continuing conversation that we're talking about and impressing upon our audience to also have with their with their children and their communities.
2: Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much.